turn us out with a video clip. And uh, hopefully after video clip, you don't want me out of here. But, uh, but anyway, enjoy the video clip. Starting with verse 14, it says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. I encourage you to take notes as we go through this time. And the first point this morning is the love of Christ compels us. It compels us, and it compels means to be driven or urged to do something. I remember when I was a child, when I was a young kid, I was compelled to do something. Sometimes we're compelled to do things, it's not always good things, right? But I remember um, my first time that I stole something. That's right. 
Pastor Stosa, and always a pastor. Uh, but I was a young kid, and this guy, the kid, took me through, and he, he took me around. He was showing me in the store that had this new starship store right on uh, on Argyle Street, I think it's Winona, and took me in that store. That's where we went shopping, and and, and he was shopping. Okay, he was like this, this, and and he's showing me how to do this stuff, and so. Um, I didn't take anything that time. I just watched and learned. And uh, but then I came back. And I don't know if you've ever done this kind of thing, but I got greedy. I got silly. I just, I was, I was getting all the ice cream and this and that and so on. And everything was going according to plan until I got to the door. The manager was waiting. And I was busted. That's as far as the Lord got me. Let me go. Okay. I'm going to get you straight early. And I could never go back to that store anymore. I'll tell you a little secret. Later on, many, many years later on, whenever I would go shopping for my mom, I would always run out the door. And my sister told on me one time. And she says, you know why he's running? Because he has to go to the store all the way on the other side of the uptown. <laughs> get your groceries in. My mom made me go back and apologize and all that. So I was compelled to do something that wasn't good. And God straightened me out. But fast forward to Uptown 1990 when I came here. My life was a mess. And a counselor, Tim Larkin, was associate pastor at the time, and helped me uh, get my life together. And then, and he led me to Christ. Came to Christ in September of that year, and then. When God transformed my life in 1990, I found myself compelled to read his word. I found myself compelled to, 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 uh, to share what God did in my life with others. And, and that's how it is, isn't it? I mean, we can't help but share. When we, when we experience God's goodness in our life, when, we, when he changes us from the inside out, you know, you're just excited. You remember when you were first believer? You were so excited. I remember reading through Matthew and Mark. And, I mean, I was just like, I was on fire just reading the word. And uh, that's why I was sharing with the new members this morning. I, I talked about the for real moment and why during this process that they're going through, they're going to learn how to write out their testimony. The reason it's so important is because people can't argue with you about your testimony. That's God's story in your life. They can argue with you about the Bible, different things, but they can't argue with you about your testimony. And, and it's something powerful when you share what God's done in your life that draws others to say, maybe. He could do that for me. You know? Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're going back to Paul. Everything Paul and his companions did was to honor God. And Christ's love controlled their lives. And because it says Christ died for us, died for us, we're now dead to our own life. Amen? Amen. And so like Paul, we no longer need live for ourselves. We're no longer to live for ourselves. Rather, we should spend our lives living for Jesus. Amen? Amen. And so that's a different message that we get in the world, isn't it? The message we get in the world is, it's about you. You should have this. You should have the best car. You should have this, that. It's about us. Right? No, no. It ain't amen. That's not true. It's about him. It's about him. It's about living for him. And so his ways are so different than the ways of the world. 
And the nice thing about it is we also have a new purpose in our lives, don't we? I'm so excited. When I came to Christ, um, I had a new purpose. I've been living that purpose out in this church and this community ever since. Before you became a believer, your purpose for living was different. For me, before I became, came to Christ, my purpose really was simple. I needed to get out of uptown as far as I could. That's where I was trying to get. Got as far as Western Avenue. That's it. That's it. You know? And then I wanted to be, you know, I was the guy that watched those, those TV channels about buying houses. And you turn the house over and you sell the house and get another house. I was one. I wanted to flip houses and stuff. That's what I wanted to do. And I got one house. That's it. So glad I didn't get in that business. Uh, it didn't motivate me to buy a building. That was good. But but that's a that's a short purpose in your life, right? I mean, and that's changed now. I mean, since I admitted my inability to save myself and receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, He's given me a desire to serve Him. And specifically, He's given me a heart and a desire to minister in this church and in this community. He said, you're from this community. I grew up in this community. I grew up not too far down the street from here. As I said, my goal was to get out, and God said, no, I need you here. You're one of them. You're called to minister here. You know the people. And so my question for you, saints, is what does Christ's love compel you to do? What's your purpose? Maybe you're still figuring that out. Are you living for him or are you living for yourself? Think about that. There's nothing sadder than seeing a person living for themselves or living without a purpose at all. And I see that sometimes in uptown. People are just kind of, they're just wandering through life. But God has a plan for their lives. They just don't know it yet. Amen? When Christ becomes our Lord and Savior, we sign up for a purpose that is much larger than ourselves. And that's what blesses me. It's not, it's not just about me, not just about my family. It's about all of you. It's about this community. I think about applying this. And so I'll name some ministries in our church. Monday Night Meal, Disaster Relief, Crossroads Kids Club. Last yesterday was building building blocks of peace. Our Gospel Justice Center. Those are just a few of the ministries that are here for you to be involved with. Because each one of us are wired differently. Some of you serve at the meal. It's a wonderful way to give back to the community. Each Monday, sharing a meal. Not just sharing a meal with someone, but sharing your life, sitting down with them, hearing their story. See, each one of the people that we share, that we serve on Monday night have a story, right? And so many of them, I, I tell you, it's not about the meal. They just want somebody to notice them, that they're alive, that they exist. So many people walk past them every day. And so just sitting there and having a meal with them, talking to them, it means a lot. But you need to find out what your purpose is, and that's part of what we're here to do is to help you. And the question is, are you living for yourself or living for Jesus? Now, I found out something. I shared this earlier, but I want to share again. We had a home going yesterday for Florence Buckner. And I learned a lot about Florence, things I did not know. And, and one of the things I learned is she did not live for herself. She lived for her kids, for her grandkids, and she lived for this community. She was a fighter, right, Ned? 
She's like, sometimes she fought wrong people. She was a fighter. And, and she thought that we might have affordable housing in this community. And, and I, now they had people that were up here. Now I'm not just talking family. I'm talking about people from the community that came up and spoke and said, we would not have the affordable community, affordable housing that we do in the north side if it wasn't for Florence. I had no idea. I was a great witness. So she knew her purpose. You know, and she also knew Jesus. She was in here, uh, you know, and she brought, she knew to bring her grandkids in here because they need Jesus, right? Amen. I wish they were here today. Hope they come back. But, but she knew where her power was, and it was from Jesus. And then she was involved, greatly involved in the community. She was fighting for, for people in this community. I met people that were here, that weren't family. I said, what are you here? She said, I wouldn't be in this community if it wasn't for Florence. Florence was the first person I met. She introduced me. She, she, she taught me where to go to get help for this and that, you know. And so it was really amazing time yesterday. And so we, we moving forward, you know, what are you living for? We need to find what Jesus wants you to be doing. And it says that he died for all and lived that we might receive eternal life from him and then would spend our lives pleasing him. And so my question is, are you pleasing Christ? Because we're blessed to what? Be a blessing. So you need to find out how God can use you to be a blessing. Let's move on. Verse 16 says, So from now on, regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do, no, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. Love that verse. We look at people differently when we become believers. That's my next point. We look at people differently when we become believers. Paul saying, don't evaluate people with worldly standards, but the world thinks of them or what they might seem like, seem to be like on the outside. Paul admits he once thought of Christ in that way, but no longer. I remember dealing with this because I mean I deal with lots of different people. And those of you that know me know that I'm a fisherman. I say, I'm a fisher of men and I'm a fisherman. And uh, it's funny when I think about fishermen because fishermen, God uses this, uh, Jesus talks about being salt and light. Well, I knew fishermen to be salty in a different way, okay? <laughs> Guys at the lake, they're, they're salty, okay? They, they, they're like sailors down there. I mean, so their words come out and they're, they're the real deal. And so, I mean, I go down there and I'm like, when I look at them in the worldly sense, I'm like, wow, there's not much hope for this guy, you know? But you know what? God says, look at them through my eyes. Because they all have skills, they all have gifts, and you just try to imagine the person, what it would be like if they knew Jesus and how God could use them. Because many of these guys, they've got, they've got knowledge and influence. They're just using them the wrong way, you know? Now, I mean, you know so, but, but if you can imagine what that person would be like if they knew Christ and how he would use them. That's, that's what I'm talking about, looking at them with other than worldly eyes. We need to look at that when we see the youth. You know, sometimes I see the youth out there, and you don't know it, but you know a lot of them are entrepreneurs, right? There's an underground economy going on outside, right? Outside these doors, we know that. They know how to use those skills. They know how to sell stuff. But it's like, hey, you know, let's sell something worthy of selling here that's good. You got the skills, but we need to put Jesus in that, and then you know you can use your use your skills for good, not evil. Amen. And so, but they skills. We need to see Jesus in people. What they would be like if, if 
Christ was in them. Now he talked about Christ and, and, and then how he viewed Christ and, and that was that was actually a problem with Jesus for many of the Jews at the time, right? They, when they saw Jesus, they were looking for somebody else than a Messiah. They were looking for someone that would, would a worldly king. They were looking for someone that was going to boot out the Romans. The Romans were oppressing the Jews and and that's what they expected. And what they got was not, not, not that. They got a king that would die on a cross. That was a stumbling block for them. They're like, well, what? Even his disciples are like, no, 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 no. You're not going to the cross. You're taking, we're taking over. So Jesus didn't fit what they expected. And, and sometimes we do that, don't we? For people. They don't fit what we're expecting. And we just kind of push them aside. I got no time for you. And, and that's not what God says to do. He says, we, we even judge. Sometimes we judge people that we see and say, well, there's no hope for them being saved, you know. Or, or I mean, you, you know, I'm talking about people that you know. I mean, they're friends and they're what? Enemies, right? I mean, I've talked to some folks that are out there just outright racist, right? I mean, I've seen that out in, when I've gone fishing out there. And I'm like, I get angry. I get angry. But, you know, God says, pray for them. Pray for them. You know, it's it's hard sometimes, but we we have to be careful about who we expect in the kingdom. I told you guys two weeks ago when we talked about Paul, I said, you know, I would have removed Paul. That's I mean, he was persecuting Christians, putting people in jail left and right. God's ways are different than our ways, right? God saved him. He saved him and used him. And so I know now that I view people differently than before I came to Christ. When, when, I, when I was before I knew Jesus, I was impressed by what they had, right? I was impressed by the house, the job, all those different things. I was heading in that direction. But now what impresses me is, is what a person gives, especially those that give out of poverty. There are many people that here, they give, and they're giving a widow's mite, you know? But they're faithful each week. They're faithful to give. And, and that's what inspires me now. You know what else? Our missionaries. The guys that, that are on the ground. I mean, when we visited Jim Larson uh, and his wife and Ross Mackin and his wife and, um, and the Mallows, they've been faithfully on the field, some of them 20, 30 years, you know, giving. I mean, when Jim was here, he was here for 18 years. He was a worship leader. I never imagined him leaving here. And now he's ministering to prostitutes, bringing women out of prostitution in Bangkok. Praise God is right. Amen. And so when I think about them and the sacrifice, these are real sacrifices. See, they gave up, left their families, went on a mission field. They are more home where they are there than they are here. And I admire them for that. I really do. They're my heroes. We're made new in Christ. That's an awesome verse. We, we hear it so much, we don't really get it, you know? And the, the, the word, the Greek word, kanos, means, means unused, fresh, or new in regard to quality and form. And it's one of the most wonderful and transforming truths in the Bible. You and I are made new. We're a new creation when we come to Jesus. He changes us from the inside out. And, and it's one of the amazing truths that for everyone who wanted the chance to start over again, Jesus gives you that opportunity. Start anew. Amen? Amen.
It doesn't matter what you were in the past. It doesn't matter if you were drunkard or sexually immoral or addicted. Any number of things. When you receive Christ, He makes you new. He gives you a new chance in life. This chance to start over again. The other thing I love about Jesus is He's a God of second, third, fourth chances. All right? That means that when you mess up, you turn around, you come back, He starts working you with you right where you're at. We used to have a banner up here that said, Jesus, He meets you right where you are. One of the things that I love that banner because people would come in. We used to have a hard time getting people. We still do have a hard time getting people to church. You know what I'm talking about. You ever meet somebody who said, I can't come to your church. Your church would fall down if I stepped into your church. I've had people tell me that. You don't know what I've done. And I said, you're right. I don't know what you've done. Guess what? And they said, and they said i got to get it. When I get it together, I'll come. And I used to point to that banner and I said, listen. Jesus meets you where you are. You're not going to get it. You're never going to get it together. You come and he puts you together. Amen? Amen. We were celebrating his broken body. His broken body makes us whole, right? He makes it. He's the one that restores it. He's the one that fixes us up. So I just said, just come. Just come. And when they come and they feel the love of Christ, they start to, to get, be put back together step by step. Now, many people have questions about that. They say, well, if I'm a new creation pastor, why do I struggle with sin? Why do I still struggle with sin? And, you know, that's a big word there, right? It's called sanctification. It's a process. You know, sometimes God removes things totally from you that you struggle with. Sometimes you've got to go to AA meetings and do everything else that you need to do to get it right. And it takes time. And sometimes you relapse and you get back up and you, you just keep going. But bit by bit, you know, the old ways are passing away. And it, but it's all about, you've got to work with him. We have to cooperate with him. Old habits, God says, you know what about old habits? They need to be put to death. He said, some sense, he says, you have to flee from sin. And you don't dabble with that. You need to flee. You need to go the other direction. So that means you can't go back to the bar no more. You can't. Some people can't even be. I've met. I talked to one of the kids yesterday. I said, you can't be in uptown. You can't. This is not for you anymore. You have to be. And they're living in a different state, different place. And they're doing fine. But there's just too many temptations here. You know, because you come back to uptown. They offer you free stuff. They just, just they, they say they're your friend. But they're not your friend. Okay. I'm just trying to get you back. Back in there with me. So you, you can't. But you have to. Put things to death. And so Christ is making us do what every day. Every day. We have to walk with So application again. My question is, do you look at people differently now? If you don't, I challenge you to do that. To, to look at them and say, what would, they, what would they look like? What would their potential be if Jesus was there? And just to pray for that in their lives. So that God would open them up. And then are you living as the new creation that you are? Are you living at the level? Because you're a new creation. But sometimes we don't live up to the being that new creation, right? And God says, hey, stop it up. Get in his word, pray. And submit, you know, and, and admit those sins to him so that he can change you. Because we have to cooperate with the process. Let's move on. Verse 18, it says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. You notice 
one word in there, don't you? Over and over. Reconcile. Different versions of it. It says, reconcile us to himself. Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God was reconciling the world to himself. And then lastly, he's committed us to the message of reconciliation. When God repeats himself, he's, he's making a point, okay? This is, this is what we're called to do. God brought us back to himself. He made peace with us through his son. Jesus, when you put your trust and your faith in him, God chooses to see Jesus in his righteousness. Right? He blots out our sins. It says as far as from the east as from the west, he chooses to cast those things away. And, and he sees, it's not our righteousness, it's really Jesus' righteousness. But praise God for his righteousness, amen? amen. Praise God, that's what he sees. We're no longer strangers, foreigners, or worse yet, enemies to God when we trust in Christ and his finished work on the cross. We're now friends of God. He calls us his friends. It would be enough to be saved by him. But he relates to us. He wants a relationship with us. Reconcile means to make friendly again, to accept. Praise God. So he... He not only reconciles us, but he says, you know what, I'm giving you a mission. And your mission is to help others be reconciled to me. Your mission is to share your story with others and what he's done in your life. And then, guess what? He wants to make peace with them as well. And so, that answers another question, which is why does God just remove us once we're saved? And there's a number of reasons he doesn't take us, take us up with Ashley would say, beat me up, Scott. No, we're here. We're here in the world. We're not of the world anymore, but we're in the world. And we're here for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's not done with you yet. I mean, we, you know, when I was saved, I was still a mess. Okay? It took a while to clean that up. And, it, it's, and he's still working. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not, a, we're not a finished product when we are saved. And so he takes us through the sanctification process. Some of us are still going through that. I went through some sanctification last week with Ellen. When we couldn't find certain things, we were stressed, right? Ellen was stressed, I was stressed. I had to pray some more. So it's, it's an ongoing thing, but for, for you, you know what your issues are. Some of us have issues with anger. Some of us have issues with patience. I, I talked to one of my members, I won't mention for the pulpit, but they're, they're, they're pressure is working with computers, because when computers don't work, they get up upset. How about you, come on. You ever been angry at technology? I'm ready to go back to the landline, come on now. You know, get hung up, I get frustrated. I get frustrated, you know? And, it, and it, I have to catch myself. <laughs> man. And so, you know what I'm talking about. God has a way of bringing out those things that are still there that need to be sanctified. And so we, you know, he's still working with us. So that's one of the reasons he leaves us here is he's not done with us yet. He wants to make us more and more like Jesus every day. Can't say amen, say ouch. Amen. So, and then secondly, he wants to use you. He wants to use you. Each one of us has a different story. You know, your story is so different from mine and vice versa, but each of our stories speaks into somebody's life. That's why we share the testimonies, because people relate to that and say, man, maybe God can do that for me. And sometimes they see us, and they see us up here, and they say, I, 
knew him when he was out there. <laughs> God did that for him. Maybe he can do that for me. And so, truth of the matter, we're all called to share our faith. It's everyone's responsibility. It's not just me. It's not just our, our elders and our deacons. It's, it's everybody. And even every age group. Children on up. You know, you equip them to share what God's doing and working with them. And we all have different styles of sharing, right? I remember um, Pastor Allen. Pastor Allen had the gift and has the gift of just confrontational evangelism. He can go out to a stranger on the street and share the gospel clear as day. Um, and not afraid of that. Very comfortable with that. He stretched me in that in his time here. Uh, because sometimes you don't see somebody every day, right? That might be the only time you see them. My gift is more relational evangelism, where I've got a relationship with somebody and I'm building that relationship and, and, and I'm sharing Jesus as they go. And so there's a place for both of them. But um, you need to be, we'll train you how to do that. But the point of the matter is, we're all to be sharing uh, and inviting people into the faith. And, and amen. We're on a mission for God. Amen. And I want to encourage you to think outside the box. Because it really is about relationships, right? And, and I say that because people know when it's a real relationship and when they're a project. And sometimes we treat people like they're a project. We've got to just get them saved and move on, right? And, and it's, it's about more than that. It's about building a relationship with them. And, and whether they are ready today or tomorrow or it might be years down the line. I've got a friend that is not here today. Um, and and uh, he came, he's been coming to, to, to our church for a while. Jewish background, great guy. Name's Mark. I met him on, on the street. He's a safe passage guy. I've known him for years now. And used to just see him taking the kids to school, making sure they got there safely. But he wanted to know what was going on in this place. You know, because he would see us on Thursdays and, and when we'd have our young and hard Bible study and and so I said, well, why don't you come check it out? And he came there and I warned him. I said, you know what? It's a young and hearts. They're a special group. Okay? We know who we are. We, we were, <laughs> we're a motley crew. So I just want to prepare. But we had a good time. Mark enjoyed his time with us. And, and you know, the nice thing about Mark is he could pronounce all the words right in the Bible. The rest of us were struggling. You know, he actually knew how to pronounce them. I'm just saying, you know, some of the Old Testament words are tough. But, uh, but anyway, he was blessed be with us for this time. Now, Mom, Mark's got like a nice job in working up in Northwestern, but you know, Mark still comes. He still comes when I invite him. We come, we, it's come to movie nights. He was here the last two weeks for Pastor Allen. For me, we have a French key. works with computers. Helps our church with computers. So whenever I'm stressed out and uh, losing my sanctification, I call Mark, help me out. <laughs> he comes in and he helps me and, and teaches me, you know. But Mark knows what I'm about. You know, and I take Mark fishing, so we're actually fishing buddies. I'm teaching him fishing, but I'm also fishing for him. And he knows he came to the Seder, uh, Passover Seder last year, learned about Jesus and the, the Seder. And so he's on that journey. But the point of the matter is I have a relationship with Mark. And, and I don't know if and when he's going to come here. I pray he does, but whether or not, I'm still going to walk with Mark. Okay, because he's my friend. And so that's how it should be. I'm, I'm asking you to build those kind of relationships because sometimes a person comes to Christ quickly. Sometimes it takes a long time. And, and so we just have to walk with them and, 
and then ask God to lead you and to share and stuff. I've got a great relationship with him, so he knows where I am, and we share from time to time, but it's not like an everyday thing, but we're there. And so I want to encourage you, um, and, and let me give you one more example. It's not about me, but I remember we took Bill Hybels' evangelism class. I remember he, he had a ministry where he actually was just, he liked sailing. And so he just would go out sailing just to kind of get away from the stress of ministry. And he used that time to just reach out to guys that liked to sail. And then as they went sailing together, he told them who he was. He was honest about who he was. There was pastor and stuff. And he just built relationships. And slowly but surely he led guys to Christ. And I thought that was so powerful, relational evangelism. Amen? Amen. So I'll just share that with you. Um, that's, that's kind of a lifestyle. And then for you, I want to encourage you. Well, this is this Sunday has five Sundays. So when we have a, a month of five Sundays, we have what we call the last week of the month. It's Back to Church Sunday, 29th. And so I want to encourage you over these next few weeks and days to be praying, Lord, who would you have me invite to church? Who would you have me bring with me? Some of our members are already doing that. I agreed with the lady that's over here today. I won't put her on the spot, but her friend invited her, and that's why she's coming. And, and that's, it, it's, it's, it's about inviting and then bringing the person with you and introducing them and take them out to lunch, talk about what, what they learned and answer the questions. And, but I want to encourage you uh, to, to do that. And then you might remember when we had all the choose your one people. Remember when we had, our, you had your person that you chose that you were praying for? You know who that person was. So that might be the person that you invite. You know, and say, hey, I'm going to follow up with that person and invite them in. So you're going to be hearing a lot of events, things that are going on. We approach Easter. I want to encourage you to just, just invite someone. See what God does. Amen? Amen. Last verse here. Closing verse 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of Thank you, Lord, for loving us 
And Lord, call, calling us to be reconcilers, Lord, to, to be your ambassadors. Lord, ambassador is, a, is an official representative, Lord, from one country to another. And Lord, we're ambassadors from one world to another, from heaven to the world. We're on a mission for you. So Lord, I thank you that you allow us to be your ambassadors. And Lord, you say that more people on your behalf to be reconciled to God. So Lord, help us to be those ambassadors that you call us to do. And Lord, as you bring up divine appointments and offer us opportunities, help us to just be sensitive to your Holy Spirit and then just to follow to allow you to use us and then watch you do what you do which is the lead and save the lost and dying world around us thank you Lord we don't know why you choose to use us in this way we're not perfect but you say I want to work through each one of us so Lord help us to be available to you help us to be willing to be used by you and then help us to step out in faith when you call us in action. Pray this all in Jesus' name.